Hello. Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Welcome to November, y'all. It is so good to see you all. Thank you so much for tuning back into my podcast. I know it's been a while since I've been able to see you all. My weeks got a little bit off schedule because of visits with my mom and then... I had some tests that I had to prepare for and some things going on in my life, so I am really glad that you have decided to tune back in and that you are here with me today. It is November 13th as of recording this podcast. If you are a Crunch fan, you probably are aware of what happened on Saturday, November 12th versus the Utica Comets, but in case you weren't aware, Utica ran into some goalie trouble. They had to call some poor unfortunate soul up from the Adirondack Thunder And Syracuse hung him out to dry by his toes and put up eight goals against him. So that was great. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get to see the game in person, but I did watch it on AHL TV, which is an incredible product. By the way, if you are someone who has yet to experience AHL TV because you were turned off by the old AHL Live or for whatever reason, I can definitely highly recommend you give it a shot because the AHL has really put a nice product out there to keep their fans connected to their teams when their team is away and when they can't be at their home arena for some reason, like this past weekend when I had to take a nine-hour test on Saturday, so I had to go to bed early on Friday and then didn't have the energy to drive all the way from Rochester to Syracuse on Saturday. I am aware of what that drive is like. I did it for a whole year. Uh, it was not happening. So I wa- watched both games that Syracuse played on AHL TV this past weekend, And it was really nice to start seeing small things come together on Friday. And then the plan, Ben Grew's whole thing, really paying off for Syracuse on Saturday. Yes, they ran into some really, really good luck with Utica's goalie situation. You know, having an ECHLer in net did not do Utica any favors. And Syracuse definitely took advantage of poor Isaac, I don't know, Poltier, I'm guessing. I don't, y'all know me by now. But, you know, hey, that's great. But, you know, on the other side of of things, Max Legacy, who's had a little bit of an up and down season, to be fair, though, he's a goalie. So his performance is also really affected by the defense. Syracuse's defense, not great so far this season. So we definitely can't dump the crunch's beginning of the season entirely on Legacy's shoulders. I don't think that's fair, and I've never thought that was fair. Most of you from the old days know that I'm a pretty big goalie fan, and I've always struggled with the fact that their performance is often more indicative of how the defense is performing than how they are actually performing. So, you know, yeah, Isaac Poultier led in eight goals last night. But on the other side of the ice, you know, Max Legacy still had to make – 36 saves. He did let in three uh, uh, from Utica, but he still had to make 36 saves. It's not the highest he's seen so far this season, but that's still, you know, he still had to do things, which sometimes these games that are really high scoring and, and lopsided can be really tough for goalies because it's really easy to just be like, I'm down here by myself. I'm not really doing anything. Oh, I'm bored. Oh, wait, I have to make a save now. Hope you all enjoyed my singing skills. It's been, did I mention I took a nine-hour test yesterday? So 
this is, I have a plan for this podcast, I promise. I know that you might not think that I do based on how scattered this has been so far, but I promise you there is a plan. There is a a stream here that I think you will find once we get through the trees of the forest. Just give me a minute. So we have Max Legacy. He made 36 saves last night. We have poor ECHL or little baby goalie on the other end of the ice. He made 32 saves last night, which normally should be enough, but when the shots against were 40, it, it wasn't enough. Syracuse saw really strong performances from Daniel Walcott, who had a goal and an assist Saturday night. Lucas Edmonds got his first AHL goal Saturday night, so congratulations to him. It would be really nice if that would maybe open up the gates a little bit. Speaking of opening up the gates a little bit, Alex Barry-Boulet continued his strong performance as of late with two goals and three assists on the night, so that's exciting. Simon Ryfors got another goal. Sean Element had a goal and two assists last night. Ryan Jones had an assist. Darren Radish returning from suspension, and no, I'm not going to talk about the hit. I didn't see it. I have no opinion on it. He was suspended for one game. Moving on. Radish returning from that suspension had five assists, so... Someone wanted to prove a little bit of something about, I don't know if he was apologizing to the coaching staff. I don't know. Right place, right time. Whatever. He had five assists Saturday night. And Gage Gonsalves had a goal and Jamel Smith had an assist. So there were some great things happening up and down Syracuse's roster Saturday night. They were in the right place at the right time. Syracuse could have played anybody Saturday night. And somehow it ended up being Utica at a time when they were going through some goalie trouble. So it would be really great if the Crunch could use that really strong performance and that luck of the draw that they got Saturday night to continue the good stuff that was happening all weekend long. Obviously, at this point in time, Syracuse's season has pretty much started the way we expect a usual Ben Grew season to start. The crunch is currently 4-6-1-2 on the season so far, and the losses, those those six that they have had that did not go to regulation overtime or a shootout, they were tough losses to sit through. They were tough. The War Memorial Ice has not been very kind to a team that generally relies on their speed to get things done, so that has been part of the story here, I'm not going to lie, but... It also just seems to take, or so we say, Ben Grew coached teams a lot of time to really get with the program and do what he needs them to do to win under the systems that he uses. Or so we say. So I knew that my brain was going to be a little scatter scatter today and that I would need something to anchor me, some kind of conversation, some kind of thing that is really going to guide this podcast episode. So I decided to pull up the records that Syracuse had from the past, well, since 2016, when Ben Grew took over, a couple of seasons, and kind of compare what happened to those teams at this point in the season and where they ended up at the end of the season. Because I feel like we've been banging this drum, right? This narrative that we've been talking about for so long that yes, Coach Grew generally is is a hard taskmaster and it takes 
these teams, these players, especially the younger ones, a little bit to get on board, see that he does know what he's talking about, see that he knows what he's doing, and that his systems work. We've been talking about this for forever. There have been tweets about it. Uh, It's been discussed with Patrick Williams. It's been discussed all over the place. But is it actually true? Or is this just a narrative that we have sort of adapted because it sounds good and it comforts us? Okay, well, let's see. As of what game was this one? Okay, so Saturday, November 12th. So just about the same time in 2016, Syracuse took on Rochester. They won that game 7-2. So Veterans Day weekend has usually been a really good weekend to Syracuse in recent memory. So it was just sort of an interesting starting point for me to go from with this episode. At this point in time in 2016, which was Ben Grew's first season as head coach of the Syracuse Crunch, Syracuse was 7-3-0-1. That season is an exception to the rule that we have come to talk about and that we're going to be talking about throughout this podcast. However, (laughs) I am sure that everybody here is aware of what 2016-17 meant to the Syracuse Crunch. They ended that season first in the North Division with a 38-24-7-7 record, 90 points in the North, first place. They won the Eastern Conference Championship that season later on in the spring and then went all the way to five games against Grand Rapids before losing the championship. So that team, maybe there's a little bit of an exception to the rule there. Maybe there's some differences there. You know, that that team had some really high flyers, high performers. A lot of those players have made it to the NHL. Yanni Gord, hi, how you doing? We miss you. So, okay, that team may be a slight outlier from what we're looking at here. So let's move ahead to 2017-18. Syracuse played a game on Saturday, November 11th that year against the Charlotte Checkers. They won that game 5-3. So again, Veterans Day weekend right around there really seems to be treating Syracuse well. This season, Syracuse's record as of that winning game was 4-6-1-2. Similar to this season's record where Syracuse has found itself at this point in time. So that's interesting. That season, 2017-18, Syracuse ended the season second in the North with a 46-22-3-5 record, 100 points, and they made it into the playoffs that season. So that is definitely the ultimate goal. You know, they... Ended up, that was the season, I believe, that we that Syracuse swept Rochester and then lost in the second round to Toronto. So, again, it was an interesting season. Syracuse started out a little bit on the slow side. You know, at this point in 2017, they had basically a 4-6 and six record. So, a little bit slow, but players like Alexander Volkoff, Matthew Pekka, Carter Verhage, these are still players, as I'm looking at this game sheet, that Syracuse Crunch fans are still very aware of uh, and are still doing really good things out there. Matthew Joseph, these, you know, oh, Ben Thomas, that's, that's, no, no, look, Eric Chernak, let's, let's go that direction instead. Um, Corey Conacher was on that team. So lots of names, lots of good things happening that season, even though Syracuse started out slow around this time. 
They still made it to the playoffs by the time April and May rolled around. So good for them. Okay, moving ahead to 2018-19. Syracuse played a game against Binghamton on November 14th. And for those of you who are kind of wondering why this is how I'm doing it, the game game centers from right around this particular date has this team's record to that point. And although I like to say that I know my my way around the internet, uh, I have no idea how to figure out what a team's get record is at any given time other than just counting, and I can't count right now. So that is why I'm looking at game reports It's or game center reports. It's just a lot easier <laughs> for my little tired brain at this point to do it. So Wednesday, November 14th, 2018, Syracuse played a game against Binghamton, 1-5-2. to two. So again, we have a you know, pretty exciting game right around Veterans Day. The Crunchers Crunch is record at that point in time was six, five, one, and oh. Not great. You're looking at a at, you know, five hundred record by just about the middle of November. Could be better. Wasn't better. So again, that year started off a little slow for the team. Syracuse that season Ended with a 47-21-4-4 record, 102 points, first in the North Division. We won't talk about what came next. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Really and truly, what came next didn't matter. But what does matter is that Syracuse clinched the North Division championship, made it into the playoffs, started the year at 500 by the middle of November. So, not great. But the result, you can't really argue with it. Okay, moving forward to, well, you know, this season is going to be a little bit incomplete because pandemic, but uh, 2019-2020. So, again, these stats are a little skewed. However, Syracuse played a game against Rochester on Wednesday, November 13th. So, you know. 2019, a couple years ago as of today. They unfortunately lost that game 4-3, to so the Veterans Day luck didn't hold out for Syracuse at that point in time. But Syracuse had a 7-5-2-0 record. Better than other records at this point, but just slightly above 500. So you're not really looking at a super stellar group performing well. And this is the one season where... Maybe, you know, it's hard to tell what would have happened. But as of the uh, season being canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic in the spring of 2020, Syracuse was fifth in the North Division, 30, 23, 4, and 5. They were putting together a pretty good run. Their previous 10 by the end of the season, by the time the, the season was canceled in March, they had put together a 6-2-1-1 run in their previous 10 games. So Syracuse was making moves at that point in time. They were putting things together. Things were starting to look up. Obviously, we have incomplete stats from that season because the season wasn't completed. So what may have occurred, we don't have any idea how to figure that out. Regardless, Syracuse started off slow that season. They had ups and downs. Who knows where they would have ended up, 
But it still wasn't, you know, it's not like they were running away with it like they did during Coach Grew's first season in Syracuse in 2016. Unfortunately, we don't have any data from (laughs) the uh, 2021 season because reasons uh, that are too sad to think about. So skipping ahead to a game that took place against Hershey in uh, on November 13th, which was a Saturday, Syracuse actually took this game to a shootout. So definitely something to keep in mind, unfortunately. However, they did lose. But that brought their season record that season to 5-5-1-1. Five, five, one, and one. So we're now just a couple of seasons ago. We're in the 21-22 season. And Syracuse ended that season second in the North Division. 41-26-7-2 record, 91 points, good for second in the North. That was that was the first season with the weird playoff thing. It just happened this past spring. I don't really think I need to go through how that all worked out. But again, Syracuse's record right at this point in time in November was 5-5-1-1. Just a 500, not looking that great. Ended the season in the playoffs in second place in the North. So they really came far. This, of course, brings us to the current iteration of the Syracuse Crunch. Currently, Syracuse is 4-6-1-2. and two, Thanks to that lovely win last night over Utica. That is good for fifth place in the North Division with 11 points. Something to keep in mind is that there's not that much space between third place and fifth place. Also, something to keep in mind is that that weird playoff format is still annoyingly so in place. As of right now, the crunch is in the playoffs, but, you know, it's only November 13th. It's too soon to tell. However, the litmus test held up. Historically, going back to, I'm going to say the fall of 2017, because the fall of 2016, that team was was an anomaly. The fall of 2017, Ben Grew coached teams overall start out slow. This isn't just something that we've all taken on as like a comforting bedtime fairy tale. This is what has historically actually been happening. And it kind of blows my mind a little bit how consistently this has been occurring. 2016 in the fall was the last time, was really the first and only time under Coach Ben Grew, that the crunch really looked good right out the gate. Pretty much every other season since then, they've struggled to start. They've struggled to put consistency on the ice. They've struggled to look coherent with one another. They've struggled to look like a team. They've struggled to take on the systems that Coach Ben and his his staff use. They they have struggled to execute. Uh, One of the things that I heard from the assistant coach after Friday night's, no, Wednesday night's game, So it was before Friday night's game. Lucas Favale was interviewing him, and he mentioned that the team had been getting too fancy in the neutral zone. Sweet baby Jay, how many seasons in a row does it seem like we've heard that from the coaching staff at the beginning of the season, that the guys are getting too fancy in the neutral zone? I don't know if that's like a holdover from juniors or what, but these players, I swear to God, that is one of the main complaints that – everybody has about these teams right up until uh, probably December and then things 
start to turn around. Once these players realize that this system that they are learning works, once they get on board, once they figure it out, things improve. But these growing pains, they are real. They are frustrating, but they get the team there. Trust the process. As we're trusting the process, one must, of course, wonder where Syracuse's season is going to take them next. Did y'all like that transition? I sure hope so. I worked real hard on it. Syracuse is playing a (laughs) a random 10.35 a.m. Eastern game start on Wednesday, November 16th in Springfield. I am only laughing because I got a... Wonderful message from my friend Lee, who is currently covering Syracuse for Raw Charge. And 10, no, I'm sorry, 11.49 this morning, I get a message that he was curious if I knew why the Crunch is playing a random Wednesday game at 10.35 in the morning. And it is definitely because the league has brought back the school day games that occur in some cities around the American Hockey League. Not every cities get to host school day games. I actually wish Syracuse would make that a priority because as much as I hate to give the Syracuse Mets any level of any kind of praise, but they host school day games. And I have to admit, my school's fifth graders have gone to them for a couple of years now, and they're a lot of fun. I was able to go when I was a fifth grade teacher, and it was really enjoyable sharing a sports game with my students, especially since being down in the rural lakes, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to see professional sports. The drives are long from down there. Families can't always make it work, and hockey games and any other game can be expensive. So I do sort of wish that this was something the Crunch could look at doing, but Regardless, that is why Syracuse will be visiting the Springfield Thunderbirds at 10.35 Wednesday morning. That doesn't throw off their game day routine at all, I'm sure. After that, Syracuse will visit Belleville on Saturday, November 19th. So the crunch is away this upcoming week, and fans get a little bit of a break before a very, very packed week of Thanksgiving. Syracuse has three home games surrounding the holiday that takes place on Thursday, November 24th. They host Toronto on Wednesday, November 23rd, which probably makes sense. Canada has already celebrated their Thanksgiving, so no reason to upset any other plans that players might have coming into Syracuse. And then they host Providence two games in a row on Friday, November 25th at home and Saturday, November 26th at home. I'm sure that the bad blood from anything that happens on Friday won't carry over to Saturday. Nah, that won't happen. Not at all. (laughs) So Syracuse's slate is actually relatively light over the next two weeks before I will sit down and talk to you all again. And really the only thing of note of the upcoming home games 
is that the Crunch's new promotional night, World Cup Night, is November 26th. So that Saturday night game against Providence will be World Cup Night. Whatever that may entail, I'm not really sure. I'm sure the team will give out some level of information as the game gets closer, but that looks kind of cool. It's always fun to see new promotions tried out and to see what's going to happen. Obviously, the only cup I care about is the Quidditch World Cup, which is just about if I adapt (laughs) the Quidditch World Cup to the Crunches World Cup night, that's about as close as I'm going to get to having a Harry Potter night, which I have been begging the team for for years. So, uh, you know, take it in whichever direction you want to. It's not like they can stop you. So that will be the team slate for the next two weeks. I am planning on sitting down again with you all on Saturday, November 27th. I'll probably bring a guest on just to try to fight off the post-Thanksgiving blues. But speaking of Thanksgiving, I hope that you all have a great holiday week coming up next week. Whatever that holiday looks for you, whether you are someone who likes to sit down with a big meal and a lot of family, or whether your holiday is going to be quiet because that's the way you like it, or maybe because that's the way you need it. Holidays aren't always fun for all of us, and I'm not going to be too much of a downer, but if holidays aren't fun for you, just know my heart's with you, and I hope that you are able to get some rest and take care of yourself however you can. If holidays are fun for you and you do all the big food and the family and whatever, I hope it is exactly what you want it to be and that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving regardless of how you are going to celebrate here in the States. And if you're elsewhere, I sure hope you have a great Thursday that week. And I will see you all in two weeks. Same bat time, same bat channel. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm open to interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get touch with me over Twitter. My hockey Twitter is FPHCrunch, F-P-H-C-R-U-N-C-H, and my personal Twitter is Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. My personal Twitter is protected, but if you want to send me a follow request and I can see that you're a hockey person, I would be more than happy to go ahead and add you over there. Before we go, I'd also like to thank Purple Planet Music and Kevin McLeod for providing the royalty-free music heard in this episode. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time.